Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle with my friend and associate Alfonso Rachel, and this is the Virtue Signal where we talk about some of the philosophy and morality behind the politics of the day. So we did a show not too long ago where I talked about what I would say to myself, my 20-year-old self, if I could go back in time and, and talk with them. Turns out that despite weeks of research, this doesn't seem to be working very well down in the lab. <laughs> so I've given up my ability to try and go back and talk to myself, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk to other young men who were in the same position that we were when we were young and making the same mistakes and so on. So I thought we might do an episode called Advice to Young Men. Um, things that we may have learned over the course of our lives that maybe we didn't know in the beginning, and we don't have to go terribly deep into one or two of them. Mostly I just like to throw a shotgun against the wall and, and just give some general advice to the, to, to, the, to the small number of people who are actually looking for advice because one of the qualities of being 20 years old or whatever is that you, you're convinced you're right about everything and that you have no desire to listen to anybody else tell you uh, that, you're, that you're on the wrong track. But with that said, assuming there's some sympathetic ears out there, uh, just go through, we'll go through some of the things that you think would be good advice for young people that maybe they don't know until they get older and maybe we can save them some time and trouble. What would the first uh, piece of advice be? Well, but the thing is, Bill, that's what we do, man. We go deep. That's what people expect us to do. They expect <laughs> us to go deep. So I'm going to grab my snorkel All right, <laughs> and man. I'm going to try to do the deepest, <laughs> deepest dive I can. Uh, um, in terms of what uh, people expect, as far as, as far as young men goes, uh, well, we've got some a lot of things to repair. There's a lot of uh, re um, repairing to be done because uh, right now uh, you got these young men are in an age where it's very confusing about what to be a man is. Um, you know, if we're gonna like uh, have these arguments of how many genders there are, this this shouldn't even be a thing that's a fashion right now, and uh, and it's not a new thing. Uh, it's it's not new. It's it's this thing that comes in cycles. It's something that's plagued mankind as as long as mankind has been been around. Um, but that's something that has to be established. It's like, look, this is manhood according to this. I, I can't stress that enough. When we're talking, we're, we're going to teach young men. You can't just say, well, this is what it is to be a man. You, you can't do that. It has to be a man according to something. And that's, and, and, and we keep going through this thing about this idea of fathers and this idea of manhood and stuff like that. Look at where it's leading. And I would, if we're, if we're asking me, what do we have to do? Can we take it back to the word of God who made us in the first place? Because the thing is, God says this about us, you're a man, you're a woman. Now we're in the days where people are objecting, again, to this biological spiritual truth. You have to see it as a spiritual truth because when you can look at something that is just so definite and you're gonna sit there and try to argue with it and say that it's not true, that's straight up demonic. So now, we're, that's where we are, Bill. We have to have a solid foundation to be able to say, we, we gotta be able to agree there first. What is this foundation that we're going to build manhood on? If we don't, forget about manhood. We just forget about it. It has to be set on something solid that we can agree on. The greatest generation had a number of examples which they had much stronger family ties than we did growing up, especially during the depression and so on. But I'm, I'm just constantly reminded of just the influence that one person had on that entire generation, and that's John Wayne. Mm. I mean, you hear it again and 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 again. There's just no end to the number of references to John Wayne among people of that generation. Uh, before the war, obviously, in the Westerns and then during the war as well. He became 
he became the kind of man that all young men wanted to be. And there were qualities to John Wayne, I think, that we could probably just agree on. One of them was he wasn't a crybaby. Uh, he wasn't narcissistic. He wasn't cruel. Um, and he had true grit. He had grit is, is, is the ability to persevere without destroying your own values. And those kind of role models today are virtually... Now, John Wayne obviously played the same guy. John, John Wayne was not a great actor, although Rooster Cogburn may, may convince me otherwise. <laughs> but, but, but what John Wayne did was John Wayne played John Wayne, and he played him again and again and again. And, and it had such an effect... On, on young men, they all wanted to be like him. And, and, and even in combat, you hear stories of guys saying, you know, I, I, I didn't want to, not exactly, I didn't want to disappoint John Wayne, but I didn't want to disappoint everyone's image of me as somebody like that. And I'm not saying we should be worshiping movie stars exactly, mm. but, but when you talk about, about young men and stuff, what, what it really comes down to is a, self, a sense of self-confidence, of, of comfort in your own skin. Um, so many young people think that in order to be popular or to get whatever they want that they don't have, this requires an enormous um, act, some kind of ongoing act. I've got to act like this. I've got to act like that. And they kind of maintain this character. Nobody believes it. Every person out there, young men I'm talking to, because I don't know how to tell this story for young women, but but there are innate qualities in in all of you that are that are worth cultivating and maintaining. And my experience through life has been that you when you you're when you are yourself, you have a profound effect on people that you're really not aware of. And that an effort to pretend to be something that you're not is counterproductive, if nothing else. I, I think that sense of of self-confidence is not the same as narcissism, the sense of being okay with who you are, knowing what your strengths are, and even more importantly, knowing what your weaknesses are and accepting them and trying to improve them to the degree that you can. But being comfortable in your own skin is really everything. And that's what people, that's what young women find attractive. It's not so much looks or, or athletic ability or, or physical shape. It's does this person seem to be confident in their actions? Do they seem to be the kind of person who is not going to care one way or another if I turn him down for a date or whatever the case may be. There's a, there's a, a, a completeness to them, a kind of a, of a, a wholeness to them. And so many people out there, so many young men out there feel like they have to chase some kind of uh, ideal. I know that sounds contradictory to the John Wayne thing I just said, but I guess the quality about John Wayne was his self-confidence. He was not a person who spent an awful lot of time, you know, brushing his hair so that other people would think he looked good. Well, you know, with, with uh, if we can, you know, bring uh, women into into the conversation, you're, of course, sure. you're, you're welcome, women. Uh, but, you know, but you're right with this. The, the, the key word here is um, security, right? And it's, uh, for a woman, that is what she wants. And she, she wants, you know, to feel secure in her, in her man. She wants a man who's responsible, can handle business, and hey, maybe even kick a little butt if he has to. Uh, you know, a woman wants a, a, that security man. And it's, 
you could see that in a woman that she wants to feel secure with her man. And she wants to see a man who's secure with himself. A man who's not secure with himself is going to make a woman miserable, right? So, and, he, and he'll pass that on to her. Uh, you could see how women want security in, um, in uh, how they always want to talk, right? <laughs> it's like, um, it's, it's, for, for some men, it can be kind of like, you know, it, it's, it's a little taxi. It's like, why are you asking me so many questions? Why do you want to talk all the time? Well, reason mm-hmm. why women want to talk all the time is because that's how they feel secure. We're predatory animals, all right? We're a predatory being. Though created in, in the image of God, we still have these predatory instincts. And a predator tends to be most quiet when they're about to kill something, okay? So women constantly want to talk. They want to be engaged because it helps them feel secure, even with their man, because it's, our, it's in our instincts to destroy things, right? So mm-hmm. they want to keep us engaged with conversation. Now, and it's attractive for a woman to see a man who is secure. The, the, the most secure the the biggest show of a secure uh, security is I if if I may is is a man who's like look uh yeah yeah I I am a sheep in the Lord's flock because that is my security my security is I didn't create my own security I don't I didn't create a sense of security it's not something that I designed it's not something that I came up with it was something that's programmed into us to be able to cultivate so you know when I rely on this um, eternal giver of this security. You know, because that's what we want, something that's going to be secure forever, right? Well, I can't facilitate a, a forever security, but I know the one who can. So I lean on that. So, you know, with with, with young men, and, and I think that's a lot of it also too, Bill, is that young men, they're, they're, they're kind of cracked up, emotionally cracked up with the dynamics of the security to be able to mate, right? The whole mating thing is kind of driving men nuts too, because you have a, a lot of broken, emotionally damaged people out there, and they really, it's, they don't know what to do with themselves. They hardly know what to do with each other. They haven't seen the examples of how this works. And one of the reasons why we don't see the example of how this works and how people are just becoming more and more insecure with themselves, with other people, and all that sort of stuff is because we keep thinking that we can do it our own way outside of the manual that was given to us that tells us how to do it. Yeah, it's um, this next piece of advice may be for advanced placement students, you know. <laughs> uh, but if you are in a in a relationship, uh, I'll get to marriage in a minute. But if you're in a serious relationship, ongoing relationship, uh, I can give you some advice from experience that is contrary to the, all the advice you're hearing from the rest of the world all the time. And that's pretty simply this: if you, as a young man in a, in a serious relationship are at the point of just emotional collapse snapping this is not a conversation to have with your with your girlfriend or your wife this is a conversation to have with your friends you don't want to show you don't want to show them that you, uh, my experience has been that that it just makes things worse. If you were at the point where you feel like you, I, I just got to talk about this or I'm going to break down crying or whatever, that's understandable and normal and you got to get that out of your system. But that's something for you to do with your friends over a beer in a, in a, in a dive bar someplace. That, that, that sense of, of, it's not even strength so much as permanence maybe is the word I'm looking for. The sense of, of emotional immobility not not coldness, just the fact that okay, the, they people who women are, are are much more emotional than men, and us, get us pulled right off of YouTube immediately. But but it's it's obviously the truth, and if you've ever met men or women, you you know that 
by and large, this is the truth. And we're not talking about being cool and not showing emotions. What, what I'm talking about here is, is that there is that she is depending on you to be strong. And if you have a point where you are going to really go to pieces, and I've had that point many times in my life, do it outdoors. Go for a drive or something. But but that's not something you want to show because what, what it does is it destroys their confidence in you. And this, if, if you're having a hard time understanding this as a young man, let me give it to you in, a term, in terms that you may understand a little more intuitively. If you're if you're a soldier on the line and there are human waves coming towards you and your sergeant is walking down there going, all right, boys, nice and quiet now. Just stay calm. Wait till they get close enough. I'll say the words. Got to get a little hairy there for a while, but just keep your head down and don't shoot till you see the whites of their eyes. That is an awful lot better than having a sergeant who's going up and down. Going, oh, my God, we're going to be killed. We're going to be <laughs> overrun. It's a, just it's hopeless. It's a game over, man. Game over. We're, <laughs> this is this. This sense of leadership is, is not something that you have to pretend to. And it's perfectly okay to be unsure about things or even insecure about things, but you can't let the fundamental strength slip. Um, and again, that's not common advice today. In fact, it's contrary to common advice today. Today we're told, no, that women want you to show your feelings and, 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 and cry. And all. No, they want you to show your feelings, but they want you to show your feelings of strength and concern for them and all the rest of it. There is a, a fundamental dependency on your leadership abilities, and, and you cannot succumb to the temptation to allow that to show just for the sympathy or for the relief or whatever. Take it outside, and that's what you have friends for. That, you know, that reminds me of, because um, I'm studying this right now for another presentation that I'm giving. With, uh, this We're going to be in, um, in Corinthians. And, it, and Paul is, but to, to, to your point, uh, Paul is teaching about the order of the head. So, you know, you got the head who's the Messiah and the, and the head of the man is Messiah himself and the head of the woman is the man. So when we're talking about the security and what a woman sees, what she should see that she should see that countenance is that this man has got his head together because his head is held together by the Lord himself. Uh, you were talking about, um, uh, you know, a man going to pieces. Uh, this is why the Lord is referred to as the builder. He builds in us. A lot of folks in, in, in I think uh, even in, in, in the church community, and I got to say this about the church because a lot of the church community, they see the Lord as something that he's, you know, this this teacher of morality and this teacher of, uh, of, of these good things and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's not that. That's not what we're supposed to be learning from him. We're not supposed to learn these things from him. That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what it's for. It's good for instruction, yes, and it tells you that it is, but that's not what it's for. The Bible is so you can recognize who Jesus has always been, not just this kid who was born in a manger or and placed in a manger, who he's always been before that, who he's always been. When you start to get a fix on who he's always been, that's when he's, as you're doing that, that's when he's building the man in you. That's how it works. But 
we have this idea, and that's why it's it's failing. It's it's failed a lot, and the, and the nation's imploding because we're looking at the Bible the long way, the wrong way. We're looking at Jesus the wrong way. It's not about what He does for us. You got to know who what qualifies Him, what makes Him the qualified Redeemer. So in that, and then we realize, you know, as we, as you were talking about, you know, the the sergeant who's going, uh, you know, talking to the troops. That's when you realize that hey, it's better, as the saying goes, it's better to be uh uh uh. uh lambs led by a lion than a bunch of lions led by a sheep, right? So in, in Christ, that's what we have. He's both the lamb. He's like, look, man, I'm bold enough to go ahead and stand as a lamb and get slaughtered for all of you. But when I come back, that's the lion that's going to be coming back. You'll see that I have been the head of men. I think another piece of advice I would give for young men is um, I don't know what your boundaries or limits are, but you better have some. And when you get to that limit or boundary, you better stand your ground right there. Mm. It is in it is in the nature of human relations. It's got to do with parents and children, men and wives, uh, bosses and, and 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 employees. All of it. There is an ongoing perpetual pushing of 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 like these force fields trying to define where the point of of resistance becomes solid. Mm. I've had a lot of friends who. I'll give you one example. I had a friend who talked to me about his wife getting very upset and she went into the room and slammed the door. And I said, did you go after her? And she said, and he said, no, she, she closed the door. I said, well, you know, the reason she closed the door was she wanted to see if you were going to open it. And she wanted to see if you cared enough to open it. And, and when I talk about like a limit or a boundary, everybody gets heated in arguments and, and, personal relationships, all of this stuff are no exception. But my experience has been, including my own experience, which came late in life, is that people who set boundaries don't get into arguments. You know, I've been married for four and a half years. I've known my wife for almost five now. And we've never been in a shouting argument, ever. And one of the reasons is we both know each other's boundaries and we respect each other. I remember so clearly, I remember it because my wife talks about it fondly. Where she was, she was, she had a legitimate gripe against me, and, and she was voicing it, and that's certainly her right. And then it got to the point where it started to go a little bit over, started to be kind of like this kind of a, a, a nagging kind of a thing. And I remember turning to her, and I just said, "Easy now, you know." And that was it. Disarmed, done, and and I've never had to deal with that again. And same, you know, same for her. There are times when when I would start to get uh, over emotional about things. And she would say, you know, you don't talk to me that way. And, and when you put those boundaries out there in place, you find you really do have an entirely different situation. I look at people who've been in screaming arguments for most of their relationships. It's utterly mysterious to me. Mm. Uh, even at my lowest, I would never, I'd never take being talked to that way. And, and sometimes it really is very simple, you know. I, I had a, f- a friend who, um, whose wife used to put him down in front of his friends. Mm. And, and I just, you know, said to him, you need to have a conversation with her and say something to the effect of, you and I have an argument, that's one thing. You will never embarrass me in front of my friends like that ever again, or else you're going to find yourself at home alone. Those are your choices. And for young men who've been so lacking in strong father figures and, and so confused and so persecuted. I get all of it, all of it. But, but if you want to hang on to somebody, 
that you care about, you got to be prepared to walk. You don't want that person living in fear of you walking all the time, but there's got to be a point beyond which she cannot go. There's got to be, you've got to make it clear. If you want to stay in a long-term relationship, you've got to make it clear that these are the limits of natural argument and back and forth and so on. But this is where we stop because if we go through this point, if you push me to this point and I retreat, then you're going to push me to the next point. And if I retreat again, then you'll push me to the next point. This is how it works. And when you have two people in a relationship who set those boundaries, what you find is you disagree about a lot of things, but you never ever really fight in, in the sense that I see so many people fighting all the time. And those relationships look like perpetual misery to me. Man, this takes uh, this takes us back to what started this whole uh, thing with the virtue signal. And I think it's um, it's pride, you know, is yep. really what it'll come down to. These arguments, when you're when when you have one person's pride against another person's pride, it can become very volatile. Uh, that um, there's something that seems disgraceful about uh, this vulnerability, or just being able to say, okay, you know what, I, I, you want the last word, have at it. It's all yours. Right. It's 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 not that important. And uh, and yeah, I've, I've you know, I've lost my temper uh, on on several occasions and I never think that I've lost my temper uh, necessarily unprovoked. But if I lost my temper, I think beyond measure. Sure. And these are not things that I'm proud of at all. Uh, but too. but these are things that's that pride, though. Right. Pride is always at the root of it. And and. To, and, and it's more than ever, Bill, and this has always been, but it's it's just it's cycling back again. Pride is undergone, you know, it's it's a poison as it is. But the toxicity of pride nowadays, you can be prideful about anything, you know, and, yeah. and it doesn't matter if it's white pride, brown pride, black pride, gay pride, you name it. All of it is poison. And this happens on a national level. It happens on a business level. Level. It happens between people in relationships. It happens all over the place. It's a poison. And until we can learn to be grateful people. So when I, I don't look at my, you know, with my wife, hey, sure, could I see her as a source of pride? Say, yeah, this is my lady right here. That's mm -hmm. not something I'm proud, proud for, uh, prideful about. It's something I'm very grateful for now. You know, it's like yeah. I'm I'm grateful and I want to show the Lord in particular how grateful I am and bless him with this. Because I certainly couldn't have got her on my own. Right. I couldn't have got her on my <laughs> no, own. Me neither. You know, me neither. We both met each other's wives and we both realized just how um, remarkable yes. salespeople we must be. <laughs> um, the, the you know, and when I look at the disagreements that I have with my wife, I find that nine times out of 10, she's right. And when she's right, I apologize. Mm. But when I'm right, I don't. Mm. And you should not apologize for the sake of apologizing. You shouldn't apologize. You know, you should say sorry for things that you're, that you're not sorry about because you have no reason to be sorry about them. And we could do this on and on and on. But but I think um, my my final bit of advice, or at least a final uh, little circle of advice with Zoe here, is that the best thing that you can do as a young man is get married, asterisk. <laughs> and that asterisk is... And, and if you are going to get married, you need to be married to the person who you know is right for you. Uh, I think it's some. I, I think it's personally a mistake to get married too early. I think that men who get married too early regret it, and then they're very tempted to cheat and all the rest of it. But my experience has been that, well, with my wife, I, she came in from Russia. I met her at uh, customs. Um, we'd talk quite a bit before then, obviously. 
I met her at customs at JFK and um, we were in the airport for about five, 10 minutes. We got in the car, the taxi, she put her head on my shoulders and I just said, this is it. I just knew it. I just knew it. Mm. And, and don't do it till you know. Connected to this advice is if you have any doubt at all as to whether the woman you're going to propose to is going to say yes, then you're proposing to the wrong person. <laughs> that to me was just automatic. Mm. When, I, when I was finally ready to take that step, and I was 56 years old or something like that, I remember buying the engagement ring and somebody said, there is, of course, a guarantee you can bring it back if she says no, and I just, she's not going to say no. That is not a, 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 I'm not saying that out of arrogance. I'm just saying that because if, if, if you can't answer that question that way, then it's either not time or it's not the right person. You know what I mean? Anybody who's like, I'm really nervous, so I'm going to ask her if she's going to marry me, and, and I, I, I don't know if she'll say yes or not, that, that's probably a bad sign. Mm. Um, you, when you know, you'll know. Yeah. And, and the benefits of married life are beyond description to bachelors, and I was a lifelong bachelor. Uh, I remember when I was single, reading these, um, you know, reports, medical reports, psychological reports, about how married men live like 10 years longer or 12 years longer than bachelors. And I said, oh, that's ridiculous. I, I don't believe it. I think bachelors got to live a lot longer than married men. And then I got married and I realized only 10 years. Um, I'm only going to live 10 years longer. Life becomes, life becomes just so much, what's the word we're looking for, Zoe, you know? It can, um, uh, you know, I guess it, it can age like wine or uh, it can uh, age like milk. I think <laughs> I know. Yeah, but when you but when you got married and you got married to the right person and once you found yourself in that situation and it really kind of sank in. Calm, I think, is the word and peaceful and happy on some fundamental level that I never was before. I remember I remember going to this house that we rent uh, shortly after I got married and it's going to sound bizarre to a lot of people, but it's just the truth. And I'd lived in an apartment my whole life, but she wanted a house, and so we rented a house. And I remember after about three or four months of living in that house, I came back from the studio, and I remember taking the, the three garbage bins, the garbage bin, the recycle bin, and the, and the like long clippings bin. And I remember taking them off the street and, and, and wheeling them to the back of the house, and remember thinking to myself, I don't think I've ever been this happy. Mm. In fact, I know I've never been this happy. I'm just, this is what life is supposed to be. I, I think that, that just that simple act of being responsible and there and knowing that I'm, I'm, I'm paying for this house and, and, and I'm, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a fundamental core satisfaction that, that young men are missing when they, when, they can, when they know in their bones that they're being responsible to the right person, to a good person, to a worthy person who puts up with, with you. And, and this sense of, of being, you know, of providing, and this, when I say providing, I don't mean like lavishing diamonds or gifts, just on the contrary, the sense of doing things like wheeling the garbage back in and making sure that the, the, the electricity bill gets paid. It is satisfying in a way that is beyond my ability to describe to myself as a single person. But believe me, it's, it's really worth it <laughs> once you found the right person. Well, we're... 
kind of shown uh, in many displays, man. It's like a, a woman wants the guy who's gonna, you know, save the world. And, you know, at the end of the movie, he gets the girl and stuff like that. And you'd be surprised, uh, fellas, uh, that it really means the world if you just take out the trash. You know, it's like, yep. you can, you can be her hero a little bits at a time, man. It means, it means so much. And, uh, you know, I tell you what, man, uh, with, with me, the knucklehead that I am, uh, with, with my wife, uh, who's, who's so gracious and, and patient. Uh, it's not about her, you know, because, you know, going in, it was like, man, she, she really gets me. Um, which, uh, which is a challenge. Uh, shouldn't be, you know, I'm a pretty simple guy, but, you know, to get, but it's as our relationship became so much better, it wasn't because of her pursuit of getting me. That, that's, that's a, that's a losing, that's a losing pursuit. It's her pursuit of getting the Lord. That is, and then for me too, because I, I basically, I came to church kicking and screaming. I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to have anything to do with this Jesus guy or anything like that. And, uh, but finally I was just like, oh, fine, fine. Right. And then from there, in terms of trying, instead of trying to get her and understand what it is to be a husband and why are these, you know, cause she's not even a complicated woman at all. Not at all. Uh, she's, she's really good at dealing with complications right now. That's a quality woman. You, you got this narrative out there. You need to be, you need to be a strong, complicated woman. And it's like, no, 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 no. Nobody needs that. Nobody needs a complicated woman. Nobody needs a complicated man. You need a person who's good at dealing with complications. All right. So now from there, instead of me trying to figure her out, let me try to figure out this Jesus guy. And that is when our relationship took off to a whole nother level. I came in. I always thought we had a pretty you know, fun and good marriage as it was. But looking at it comparative, and I'm like, Oh no, man, it's nothing like this. Nothing like this. So for, for men out there, you know, even when we talk about um, saying you're sorry, it's more than saying, because there's got a lot of men out there that's talk about being sorry. We got a whole bunch of sorry men out there. We, we, need, we need to stop with the sorry men. You don't need to be sorry. You need to repent, right? Because there's a lot of men out there who will do their wives dirty or do their girlfriends dirty. Oh, baby, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean anything, right? Tears in their <laughs> eyes. I'm so sorry. I didn't even treat you like that. No, you need to repent. <laughs> you need to repent, turn from your ways, become a new creature and don't do that stuff anymore. Love your wife the way that the Lord intended. Be a sacrificial lover of your wife with it, you know, and be reasonable. You got, you should, you should be smart enough to know what's reasonable to bring your, to bring joy out of your wife. If you got to, like you said, you got to do these material things and these unreasonable things like, yeah, that might not be the woman for you. Right. It doesn't mean that you, you can't, you know, be good to your woman and treat, but you know, at the same time, if, if it takes that, these material things to, to make your wife happy, uh, might not be the one for you. No. <laughs> I'll, I'll just close with one, one final story because you said something that to me is the key and that, and, and this takes the asterisks off of what I was saying about finding the right person. And you were talking about how she gets you, you know, um, gets you means, means more than, means more than she understands you. Mm. She knows how to handle you. I'm not talking <laughs> about manipulate you. I mean, she just yeah. knows, she knows how to calm you or comfort you. Yeah. And, and I just give this last example because it's, it was just so crystal clear for me and it sticks in my memory. Uh, I, I had been married for about a week and it was a Sunday afternoon late and, and my wife's a photographer and she said, let's go out to the, I want to take some pictures of you, you know, and I didn't really want to get pictures of myself taken anyway. And I certainly didn't want to do it on a late Sunday afternoon. It was starting to rain and we, oh, all right. So you throw them, you know, start the car, just, you know, 
And then we got to this place. This isn't look good. We need like, let's go to like that, that area downtown, you know, Beverly Hills, that really nice area. It's all lit up. And oh, well, come on, really? And I'm going over the 405 and just smoke coming out of my ears, you know, because I'm so put out by all of this. And, and she said to me, as I'm going right over the top of the 405. And she, she said to me, Bill, you're, you're a man. You're not supposed to like this. <laughs> I've never heard that before. It was always like, cheer up, or what's the matter with you, or, you know, or, or, or they'd get sulky and sorry, or, or you've, never mind, you've ruined it, let's go back. No, she completely understood me. She said, the, the, I've photographed thousands of men. They don't like it. It's not comfortable. It's, it, it's totally not comfortable. It's totally understandable that you don't want to do it. I get it, but we should do it anyway. It'd be good for you. Besides, you're, you're sexy when you're angry, <laughs> which means I'm sexy a lot, apparently. Um, but but that's what I mean by who who gets you right. That's somebody who understood me so well, mm. because she said the two things to me that that completely disarmed me. One of them was, no, it's okay to be angry. You're not supposed to like this. I'm not expecting you to be joyful about this. I understand. And the second thing was, you know, you're sexy when you're angry. <laughs> and, and and now I'm no longer really angry. Now I'm just kind of, you know, oh, all right. Then. You know, no, okay. And end up taking some really good pictures. The Duke comes out. Um, it does. They, that, that's all it takes. And by the way, for the two women who might be watching this because you're in hospital or, or something, you can't change a channel. Um, that ability is not manipulating a man. That, that comes from an understanding of him and a respect for him and a respect for his strengths and weaknesses. And if there had been any sense of condescension or anything in there, well, then that wouldn't have been the right person to marry. But there wasn't. So, so it was. I love you, honey, and, um, and I'll see you soon. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of The Virtue Signal, made possible by the uh, members at BillWhittle.com, especially the new members of our, our drive back in December and January. Um, and we hope these shows are of some value to you and, and that you share them with as many people as you can because uh, YouTube doesn't like us talking about these things, and they're doing their very best to make sure that nobody gets to see them. Uh, but in any event, we'll deal with that as it comes. Uh, for my good friend and associate, Alfonso Rachel, and his lovely wife, and my lovely wife, and myself, and all the people here at BillWhittle.com, two or three of them. Anyway, thanks very much for joining us and making this possible. We'll see you next time on The Virtue Signal. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in for some Sledge Covers, where I put a sledge edge on songs from back in the day, particularly from the 70s and the 80s. Bell bottoms to parachute pants, baby. If you dig what you hear, you can download all these songs for free or drop a buck in a guitar case if you like. I wouldn't mind that. You can also check out original 20-pound Sledge Jams, too. You can also download all those for free or make a donation. Thank you so much for supporting. Links are in the description field. Sledge on! Let's go.
stop. Okay, song stopped. What's up? Now I feel kind of silly singing the quad dilly quad quad parts. Really? Yeah. Actually, you know what's really silly, man? What? You in here talking to yourself and posting it online. And playing with yourself, too. I play the instruments myself. Don't get it twisted, pervert. I know you are, but what am I? I'll give you a hint. I'm you. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Want to get back to that silly sing-along, hmm?